Hey, everybody. Are you with me when I say life can be amazing at times, but it can also be extremely challenging? I know. I've been there myself. Learned some valuable life lessons along the way, and now I'm here to help you. It's no coincidence you found your way to the Relevate podcast. I'm your host, Rena Olson, a self-proclaimed inspirer of others. Together, we're going to dive deep into raw and honest conversations with real people. My hope is that through these stories, you too will be inspired and ready to tackle whatever's holding you back or breaking your heart. Then you'll be free to live a life of purpose and true fulfillment. I promise it's possible. Let's Relevate. Hey friends, it's Rena Olson. Welcome to this very special episode of the Relevate Podcast. We are keeping it upbeat and light today with a fun and informative discussion about puppies and dogs, golden doodles specifically. If you're a dog person like I am, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Beth Bruckman of Chattahoochee Kennels, located just north of Metro Atlanta. I am a dog person through and through. To me, they just make life so much better. We recently lost our beloved golden doodle Rosie earlier this year to an illness. Those of you know how hard it is to say goodbye to our beloved canine kids. But alas, another door was open and we now have since welcomed a little ball of chocolate spunk and fluff into our home. Our new golden doodle girl, Sister Hazel Ray. Along the way, we found Beth, Hazel's amazing breeder, and learned so much. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Beth Brookman, welcome to the Relevate Podcast. Thank you. It's so great to see you again. You're like all tan and relaxed. It's and good to see you too, and good to see Miss Hazel. Oh, she's so fabulous. <laughs> We think about you every day with her and just all the good work and love you poured into her and giving us a really, really amazing canine companion. I'd love to know just a little bit more about your background and um, if you could share more about your amazing company. So my background is my mom was a breeder and my aunt was a breeder when oh, I was that's growing cool. up. So I have been around dogs in one capacity or another for my whole life. But I remember one time I was thinking about this this morning, and my sisters and I ended up having to bottle feed these puppies. And I'd be late for school every day, and I said, I will never, Mm -mm. I will never breed puppy. I'll never, you know how you are when you're a kid, and look at me now. (laughs) Uh But I went to school at University of North Texas. But I got my, uh, my undergrad in psychology and sociology, and then I decided that I wanted to get my master's in behavioral research. They have a huge program for behavior analysis where they look at all kinds of behavior. And I was fascinated by Mm. it, but I ended up just sticking more with the animals than the people. So that was a track you could do animals or people, or was it all kind of combined? It was, it was all behavior is basic. Mm. You're Mm going to look at two different kinds and I probably shouldn't get into that now because we're going to go down a whole nother road, but behavior is basic in people too. It's just, it's what is encouraged Mm -hmm. and you can do it in a positive way or a negative way. So if you're encouraging it in a positive way, then the behavior goes up. If hitting with a negative reinforcer, then your behavior goes down. So it, uh, life is all about that. And it's the same thing for animals. It's, Mm. it's all about what is encouraged or discouraged. So I did that. And um, of course, at the time I, you know, I had my kids, I was raising babies and we moved a whole lot. Mm -hmm. My ex-husband was in retail, so we moved a whole lot. And every city that we moved to, I would go to the shelter and I would work with the dogs. Mm -hmm. And I loved that. It seemed like that was the thing that just gave me the most hectic life, new cities, new people, little kids, real close in age, but I could get out there and work with the dogs. And it it just, it fulfilled Mm -hmm. me in, in, crazy way. So I did a ton of rescue and training with dogs. Mm, love that. And then uh, when I moved here, I got really involved with the rescue group. And then that rescue group involved uh, puppy mill rescue, mm-hmm. heavy, heavy, heavy into puppy mill rescue. And I would always get the mamas and the breeding dogs just because I had experience with it went from yeah. being a kid. Mm-hmm. And that's, I did over and over again, raising dogs just raising the puppies. We'd pick them up. Sometimes they'd be pregnant. And by the time I got them back here, you know, back to Georgia, mm. you know, I'd have a litter of pups on my hands. So, yeah. so you would be fostering them yeah. in your house and then finding them homes. Yeah. 
I stopped counting at 3,500 dogs that came through my home. Whoa. How many? Yeah, 3,500. I stopped. I finally said, that's it. That's enough. (laughs) I had no idea. So it was a matter of doing, I always was around dogs. I love the training. I love the um, working with the people. It's a little bit harder when you work in rescue than than it is when you're breeding, just because um, with rescue, there's a tendency to people to think that the dogs are a little bit more disposable. Mm. Uh, So... Anyway, one so day in I, terms of people saying I want a dog, and then calling you back and saying, eh. "Yeah, or it's too much work, or it's too much, yeah, oh, or taking gosh. it home, or it's really cute and playful, and then your kids get tired of it, and then we'll just give it back to the rescue." Oh my gosh! Yeah, so there was a whole lot of that, and that was very discouraging. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up getting my first poodle, Hooch Chattahoochee, which I named oh. my business after. I had cancer. And I had to slow down in the rescue, and I always want, I mean, I had, I pro- at the time, I probably had seven dogs that were unadoptable because of behavior issues, and but I loved them. They were going to stay with me, but I always wanted a standard poodle, and my mm-hmm. husband at the time probably would have, he would have done anything at the time because it was just a, you know, just a really, really tough time, and I got my first standard poodle, mm-hmm. and uh, loved Hooch. her. Yes, and it was Hooch. a girl. And uh, what color so anyway, was she? She was apricot. Oh, okay. She's very pretty, awesome dog. And one, I went to the vet. I took one of my dogs to the vet, and the vet said, was talking to me about dogs and breeding and some things that he had been going through um, that he'd been experiencing in, with clients. And he said, Beth, I tell you, if, if everybody did it your way, I would, there would be no puppy mills. We would not have these issues in the world. Mm-hmm. And I went, hmm, I wonder. So my at the time, you know, my youngest son had uh, terrible allergies, and uh, it seemed like it was a really good idea to do the doodle breeding. Mm-hmm. You know, with my mm-hmm. loved my poodle, I just had to find the right male, and so I knew it had to be a retriever. It was going to be a lab or some type of retriever because retrievers are generally a they're a pack. They have a really high pack drive, mm-hmm. which means that they always want to come back and be with their family. And any dog that has a really good high pack drive will always want to come back and be around the family union. Mm-hmm. Just awesome dogs. So anyway, that's where it started. Oh, that's where the whole thing started. And I love it. I wouldn't change anything now. So who was your first, Hooch's first boyfriend? Oh, now Hooch loved my uh, yellow lab name, Roy. But he was neutered. Oh. <laughs> now, I, I ended up finding a, uh, a golden retriever. A friend, mm. a friend had a golden retriever, and he was an awesome dog. So his name was Rusty. And so Rusty was the first. And I still have that first litter Aww. that she had. I mean, I still stay in contact with oh that family. Gosh. And yeah. they were all just the classic golden doodles with them. Pretty golden coat. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we've gotten creative. Now we mm-hmm. do different types of different colors, different sizes. Yeah, yeah. So, but now it's a matter of I like to have something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Not always the same thing, but I always want health. Mm-hmm. I always want them to be really healthy. Yeah, and I always want them to have a really good temperament. Yes, and temperament. I mean, when it comes down to it. <laughs> I mean, to me, that was just, because you can get wooed by the color or the look, and but you want a dog with a really good temperament. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's funny because people say, oh, you know, when, when they come in and look at the puppies. Uh-huh. You get dazzled by how gorgeous they are. Yeah, and and your I, pups are so gorgeous. I, w- I want the right color. I want the best dog. I want the best temperament. And then they always get caught up in the looks and, oh, it's just so cute. And, yeah. <laughs> But it's, you know, you can't really go wrong with a doodle, really. Okay. Know. Well, share more about, I'm I'm a huge fan of the breed. This is my second doodle. Our first one, Rosie, whom we lost in February, was just an unbelievable dog. And every time I made a doodle out in the street, so where we live in metro Atlanta, there's, you know, this is really doodle country. Uh-huh. So for people that are not familiar with the breed, help us understand just what is so great about these dogs. Okay. So you're... You're taking a, a standard poodle mm-hmm. who is naturally, it's a standard poodle, not a miniature poodle, not a toy that poodle. That makes a big difference. A standard right? poodle is a water retriever. And when I was explaining to you before about retrievers, whether it's a golden retriever, mm-hmm. a lab, a 
the flat cut retriever, anything, your retrievers have a very high pack drive. Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing with a standard poodle. You're going to have that. I want to be around my family. I want to be a. I want to be part of the whole. You know, I'm very friendly. I'm outgoing. I'm smart. Um, when you look at the top ten breeds, you're going to find your retrievers, your labs, your goldens, and your standard poodle. Mm-hmm. In your top ten of the best dogs, the smartest dogs, right. and this is something that's that was voted on by the AKC judges that does nothing but judge mm-hmm. these dogs. So um, that's what makes them so special. You've got you've got issues with too much inbreeding in your purebreds, and you bring two different breeds together, and you get less of a problem with health issues. Mm-hmm. You lower the, it's called the koi, which means it's the inbreeding coefficient. You, you don't want to have copy of a copy of a copy because that's when you start getting health issues. Mm-hmm. And um, they each have their separate issues with grooming. Okay, so with your golden retriever, your lab, you're going to have that shedding that you yes. walk by them and you're covered in it. Sure. And then with poodles, standard poodles, you'll have a lot of grooming that is required because they are hair they have hair instead of fur. Mm-hmm. So the first impression I had of a standard poodle is you see them all froofed up with the hair off the Exactly. So and those weren't the retrieving dogs. Those aren't the dogs that run into the water and get the uh-huh. that get the fowl that, that that fall. Those are the dogs that um, don't do anything but sit <laughs> around and look pretty. <laughs> so there's a huge misconception about the standard poodle. Mm-hmm. It, but they are, they're awesome water retrievers. They're awesome retriever dogs. So you're getting the best of both worlds with the hair instead of the fur. So you don't have the shedding. Mm-hmm. You do have to groom them more, mm-hmm. which is something that you got to get the hair in the ears. Yeah. yeah. That kind of stuff. Got to get used to that. But I know you get the best of both worlds when you cross the two. And the smarts too. They're so uh, smart. Such smart dogs, obedient dogs, easy to train. They say that the standard poodle is the easiest dog to house train. Ever. Oh, really? They pick it up so quick. Now, the drawback with having a really smart dog Mm -hmm. is that they figure us out really fast. Totally. They know what our weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. They know what we like and what we don't like. And uh, and, and I'll never forget when Hooch was a pup. She, in the kitchen, I would hang up a dish towel over the knob of the oven and she would stare at that thing. She's like, I'm going to get that towel. <laughs> she would stare at it. And I thought, oh, she'll never get it. It's too far up there. She got it. She got it. She figured it out. She watched how I, when I put it up there, maybe I didn't put it up there all the way, but they stare at it and they figure stuff out. You have to be mindful of what you're doing and what your reactions are because they watch those reactions. They categorize them in their heads and then they use them to their advantage. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say it's like a human in a fursuit. Yes. They're just, I mean, they're just a hair away from being a human. Some of the, you know, um, I know my dogs are just like really intuitive. Like, and if you're sick, you know, that dog is Mm -hmm. by your side. Choa, our children's hospital here in Metro Atlanta, they use a lot of the golden doodles. You probably know that because... You know, and they just go in and hop up on the bed with sick kids and just give them some love and help them be kids and Mm -hmm. forget about what they're going through. Just, I'm such an advocate for the breed. But like with any good thing, there have been unscrupulous breeders out there and people who claim to have a dog and they'll try to sell you a dog on social media and then they'll take your money. So help us just kind of talk us through in looking for a breeder some of the things that a person should look for. Okay. So the best thing to look for when you're looking for a breeder, and I do this, I have to go through this too. I go through the same thing that everybody else does because there is times that I have to bring new DNA into my kennel Mm -hmm. and I have to talk to breeders myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I look for is um, how transparent they are. Mm -hmm. Are they willing to let you meet the dog? Are they willing to, you know, bring you into their home, see their operation? And then I look at things like genetic testing. What are they putting into the dog? Is it, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to go out and get this dog and I'm going to put it in the backyard and then I'm going to get a male and then I'm going to put it in the backyard. Mm -hmm. It's the time and effort that you put into it, the training, the dogs that aren't, that aren't played with or, 
Okay, so I'm going to go back to my puppy mill rescue just because it's... Sure, yeah. It, it, it's I've had foundation. so much Recently, a friend of Tom's was looking for a schnoodle, which is a schnauzer and a poodle. Mm-hmm. And um, she wanted to know if I knew anybody. I said no. And she said, would you help me look at breeders? So she sends me this website. And the website was beautiful. And there was beautiful pictures of all these puppies and these cute little playpens and it just looked like the most loving, you know, perfect home. I said, I don't know. I have, where's the parents? I want to see yeah. pictures of the parents. I want to see all. So I ended up, you know, going back to my old puppy mill stuff. And I looked up her, the city that she was in. And then I looked up her, she had a rather large breeding stock. Mm-hmm. And she said she was a commercial breeder. So I looked up her license, and from the license, I started to look at the USDA reports, because whenever you're a licensed commercial breeder, they have to inspect, the USDA has to inspect you to make sure that she had like 580 dogs, and she, um, I went back and looked at the poodles, the miniature poodles, and and it said, in house number four, there was poodles in there that had matting so bad you couldn't see their eyes and then another one there was a report that it had it was covered in fecal material and it was oh. so matted and so I said we're, we're not going to buy a puppy from these people <laughs> but this is the kind of thing they yeah. hide behind the pretty uh-huh. they hide behind pictures but they're not mm. going to let you see their so that's probably the biggest how transparent are they how are they mm-hmm. will they put themselves out there will they put their dogs out there mm. will they let you meet their dogs and then what have they done other than that? Does the dog go to the vet? Is the dog kept up? You know, that kind of thing. It's scary. Wow. It's a scary world. It really I is. I didn't realize all that information was available. And I didn't realize all the genetics that are available that you look at. So help us understand a little bit about that, because that blew me away that you can look at the genetics of both dogs, and there's all kinds of things you can predict. <laughs> I love this because this is a whole new world now mm-hmm. and it makes it so much easier to see what you're doing. So there's in the genetics, first of all, you want to make sure that they're clear of variants of any type of disease. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes they can carry certain types of variants that um, from a disease from a breeding that was done um, way, way, way back and they just carry it forward because mm-hmm. of know it's a line it, it follows the line right in situations like that if the mother and father don't have the so same an example thing. of a disease like a hip dysplasia or something like that yeah so okay let me give you an example there is a variant for dachshunds that gives them it's a disease in their spine mm-hmm. and it also affects their little short legs now you know dachshunds are so cute they got their little short legs and they so waddle and all that well at some point somebody bred the dachshund to get the leg shorter in a poodle. And we do that sometimes. We'll breed with another breed just because we want to look for a certain color mm-hmm. or we want to have their face round or we mm-hmm. want to. So they may carry that variant all the way through years and years and years of breeding. If that dog has that variant, you have to make sure that you're not breeding it to another dog with the variant because oh, it's okay. going to take the two variants you. for it to show itself. Mm-hmm. So it's things like that, or you have, in poodles, you have some some diseases that will really, it's not worth it to even go there. You know, it's not worth it to even try it, if they even if they carry the variant. Now, now if I came across a dog that had the variant from a dachshund that was years ago, because they were trying to bring the legs down or trying to make it from a standard down to a miniature or whatever, I would not worry about that. I would just make sure that I looked at the, the female's DNA to make sure she didn't have it so they didn't have puppies mm-hmm. with it. But when you see that a dog is carries a disease and you breed it, that's all kinds of wrong. I, I can't even no. tell you how upset that would make me to see that somebody would, would run the DNA in a dog, knowing mm. that it's going to get sick at some point in its life, later in life, yeah. and then breed it and do that to puppies. Because yeah, you're just making the whole... Mm, okay, I'll get <laughs> go off the deep end on that one. But, um sure. But that's something we can see um, the basic size mm-hmm. of the dog on the DNA. We can see, all right, like I might have a dog who's, 
whose DNA says it's going to be a 30-pound dog, but it's a 50-pound dog because it's too heavy. But its basic DNA says that I'm going to pass along this this 30-pound dog DNA to my offspring. So it gives you a better idea of size. You'll get, still have a range, uh-huh. but it gives you a better idea of size. Also, the variant for coat types. Because mm-hmm. if you want to get more chocolates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. love some it, chocolate. It's good to look at you know who throws it and who they have to be paired with in order to show that chocolate and chocolate's a little bit harder to show mm. so it's they have to be they have to be paired up the right way and then there's the inbreeding if you have a dog that's had too much inbreeding it's like making a copy of a copy of a copy mm. you know that if you keep making a copy of a copy that the the outlook is just terrible the it starts breaking down the ink breaks mm-hmm. down you can't see the you know. the same concept yeah. So it's the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. If you keep inbreeding, which was very popular at one point, mm-hmm. and you see a lot of that with some of these breeders, they'll yeah. breed a granddaughter back to a grandfather. You get too much DNA that's exactly the same, and then mm-hmm. you're going to start, you're asking mm-hmm. for problems then. Yeah. So. Cool. And then with you, I learned about the fading gene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us about that. That's okay, so cool. the fading gene is... A lot of times poodles, their color will, they'll start off being a black dog uh-huh. and then they'll end up being a gray dog because they have the fading gene. So that's something that we look for now. Like Miss Hazel will definitely keep her beautiful chocolate mm-hmm. coat because neither one of her parents have that. Mm-hmm. But if we had one of the parents that had the fading gene and one that didn't, then maybe half the litter would have it and half there. And then you wouldn't know you until wouldn't you ran know. the DNA or you waited long enough to see that... They had a lighter coat than the rest of the litter. <laughs> she's so cute. She looks like she's smoking a cigar. <laughs> I know. She sticks that bully stick. Like, yeah, and I know with the reds that a lot of the red doodles will be red as puppies, and then they'll have that fading gene, and they'll turn kind of apricots. And that's so. so disappointing for people. It's They'll get this... They get this cute little puppy thinking it's going to stay that color, and then it doesn't. Oh, and that, and I get that a lot. I hear that. So, but they're going to lose their color anyway. And I said, well, not it's necessarily. A, no. Depends upon you know whether the mom carries uh-huh. the fading gene. So, and it's so cool that you can see that. So it's just like a genetic report that you can. Yeah. Is it like a saliva sample? That That's the way it starts. That's the way it wow. starts, and they give you all and then, and. They're looking for new things now because I think in doodles, we love to see the tuxedo. Mm-hmm. And the tuxedo is the white that's on the nose. It comes down the chest. It's the poor paws and the tip of the tail. Uh-huh. Well, there's a specific gene that makes that happen. And one of the parents has to have it in order to see it in the litter. Mm. So, And that's, that was a fun thing to find out, whether they actually have that gene in them. But that's something else that people want to see these days. So it's nice to know, okay, I can have this. If I am breeding this one, this dog to this dog. So there's just so much. It's just, it's amazing what you can tell now. Yeah. So, but the only thing it doesn't tell us is personality. And (laughs) and I'm sure at some point it will be able to see that. Isn't that wild? Yeah. But uh, right now, no, it's not. Hazel, really? (laughs) She's like, wait. She is all over Beth Bruckman (laughs) for sure. I, but I remember you. Okay, so let's talk about puppy training because okay. I think that's where a lot of new dog owners really get hung up as with the expectation of going in, of training a dog. Uh-huh. So let's just talk a little bit about that. If you can help us understand what's the biggest mistake, a lot of new dog owners, just help us understand a little bit about early puppy training, what's important, what we shouldn't be doing, because I am totally in that boat right now. And I, you know, I want to set my dog up for success long term, but Uh you have to make the investment. You, the owner, have to make the investment. Right. To train them properly. Yeah. Because it's, it's not, not just going to happen. Yeah. And, it, and it's not just the dog. It's the person that you it train. It is probably the person more so. Not and the puppy. said, there are no bad dogs, only oh. bad human. You know, <laughs> it's like, you human, you're the one who's who has messed up this dog or is messing up this dog. So do you, do you believe that to be true? Probably 98% of the time. Okay. So what, what are we doing wrong? Help us. <laughs> Help us be better, Beth. So the, the biggest... Mistake I think that people make when training a dog is that they treat it like it's a human instead of a dog. Totally guilty. Yeah. So (laughs) it's 
healthy. You know, even though they do, they have a lot of really nice human qualities like emotions and love and they still are a dog. Right. And they need to be rewarded and punished a little bit different mm-hmm. than a human being. Mm-hmm. So with a dog, they ha- you have five seconds to reward or punish. And I say punish, I'm going to give you an example of that. Right. I don't mean punish like, you know, right. but um, it's five seconds. So your dog, say your dog, you walk in the room and you see that it tore up that beautiful pillow that you have on your couch. Mm-hmm. You don't know when that happened. So if you start yelling at your dog, you bad dog, you did, they're just going to think you're a mean person. Because mm-hmm. they're not connecting it. Uh-huh. That's why back. I say you got five seconds and that's wow. it. So catching them in the act is bonus. Yeah. You catch them in the act and you use your mean voice, you know, bad dog. And, <laughs> you know, they don't want to disappoint you. Aww. So that's what I'm talking about with punishment. But also on the other side of that, if you catch them doing something right, Mm-hmm. and you're going to reward them, you have to do it within five seconds. And I give this one, I give this example over and over again, because this is the one that I would, I'd hear all the time. When house training the dog, mm-hmm. they'd let the dog outside, and then the dog would go out in the front yard, and it would go do its piddle, and then they'd walk in the house and then go into the kitchen, and they get the dog uh, a treat. Yeah. So they rewarded the dog for walking into the kitchen. Oh, <laughs> You see what I'm saying? It's like if, if they would have it in their pocket, yeah. and as soon as the dog did something right, then give it to So the oh dog gosh, piddles, and just, then you reward. Remember that yeah. five seconds. Okay. And ignoring a bad behavior just because you didn't catch it in the act mm-hmm. is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just, I didn't catch it. It's better to just let it go yeah. and then try and find a positive way to reward it. So punishment. Take that whole couch and pillow thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're sitting there, and you see the dog go over and sniff the pillow, and it's going to open its mouth and grab it. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Immediately interrupt the behavior. You can make a noise. Uh-huh. You can clap your hands. As soon as the dog looks at you, it's not focused on the pillow anymore. Good girl. Mm-hmm. So you're given mm-hmm. the positive for not looking at the pillow and for looking at you. And I do this all the time with cords because puppies are... Always wanting to chew on cords, your your phone recharger, whatever. Yeah. And uh, and how to set them up for failure. Okay, we'll just wait. They're sniffing oh, around. Yeah. They see it. They come again and getting closer. Uh-uh. No. And clap your hands. So oh. You know she's reacting. <laughs> and eventually, sometimes mm-hmm. it takes a while. Yeah. But eventually they give up. They know it's a bad thing. So you may have to sit there and set them up a couple days in a row saying no, 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 no. But, you know, they get tired of hearing the no. Yeah. They get tired of being redirected. Then you give them something that they can chew on or whatever. Mm. But it's all about timing. Yeah. And then eventually they learn. Right. But I think that the overall, the worst thing you can do is treat them like they're your kid instead of the dog. And it's okay to love them and it's okay to... but. <laughs> They have to do something. For dogs, they have to be rewarded for doing something. So it's as simple as you call your dog to you, you want to love on it, you call your dog to you, and you tell them to sit. And they sit, ah, then you can love and love yeah. and love. But giving them love without doing anything for it is what will cause some of your behavior issues. Mm. There's nothing wrong with loving your dog as long as they work for it. Something simple as a sit. Okay. Even if, but see, even if you're calling your dog to you and they come to you, uh-huh. that's still a recall. This dog is still coming when you're calling, mm-hmm. so that's okay to love on it then. But the dog cannot initiate that. They can't come over and nudge you, and then because the dog just trained you, they come <laughs> over, they nudge you, and you start petting it. Uh huh. They trained okay. you. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get some free advice here. Okay. So jumping up, the dog jumps up when somebody walks in the house. As an owner, what am I supposed to do to help? stop that okay and especially poodles mm-hmm. you know any dog that has poodle in it because they love to jump they have poker sticks for legs mm-hmm. they just want to be like the center kiss. of attention yeah. well it, yeah it can, can be the kissing too mm-hmm. but so for a dog that jumps one person well-meaning person can screw everything up so you have to let your company know when they come what you're doing i'm training my dog mm-hmm. i don't want it to jump on you we're going to ignore her until she calms down and nobody can touch her until she has all four paws on the floor. Oh, 
Okay. Uh-huh. And if you're out for a walk and she wants to jump mm-hmm. on somebody, mm-hmm. then this this is kind of easy because the you can carry the treats with you and make sure the dog sits first before it's pet right. or rewarded. But with people that come in your house, you can just let one person come in. And they're like, yeah. oh, but it's okay if they jump on me. I love dogs. Uh-huh. Oh, just undid everything. <laughs> and all they have to be is encouraged once. And then it's, oh, you know, done. you're back to that. But I don't like the jumping behavior on my adult dogs because they're, some of my dogs are kind of big. Yeah. And if they jump on a small person, they can knock them right, right. over. So that is just, I, I don't want them to jump on anybody. Mm-hmm. But my son's girlfriend came over for the first time, and my son, who is experienced with dogs, knows off, 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 you know, you tell him off and what to do and how to handle it, and bless her heart, she left there filthy because they just mauled her. You know, they know they could, and they just mauled her, and I'm just trying to run defense and keep them off her, but they will definitely take advantage of anybody that they can. They love to be on you and control you. and But, um, yeah, that's the big thing for me is that jumping behavior. Yeah. So it's just a process. Start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. on the When she's out in public with a leash, don't let her jump on anybody. And then in the house, if you don't want her to greet anybody at the door, then you have to tell the person, first of all, how to act before they can come in. And that is, okay, if she jumps on you, this is what I want you to do. Okay. Now, a person like Hazel, she's so friendly and outgoing and excited. (laughs) So it'll be really hard. Yeah. It'll be really hard not to. But that's one that you have to turn your back to them. Yeah. Our our girl Rosie never never did get that. And she would jump up on somebody like one time when they came in. And then, you know, it was like she just wanted to kind of smell their breath or Uh whatever. And then she'd leave them alone. But she'd get that one jump in. Uh Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you might have a little bit more jumping with this one. Yeah, <laughs> she, she likes is. it. She's a pogo stick girl. <laughs> so cute. Well, that is such great advice. Okay, one more thing, and then we'll 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 kind of move on about puppy training. And that is, I know a lot of people struggle with walking their dog and the dog pulling on the leash. So, what advice do you have for us? Okay, about that. So I've got a couple different things, and it just kind of depends upon your experience level mm-hmm. and what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But the best way is just you're walking your dog and it pulls, you just turn around and go the other direction. Oh. And then, or it starts to pull and you just stop. And you don't move again. If they're going to pull you, you don't move again. So you wait until the dog can control itself. And so sometimes that takes a little bit of um, patience. (laughs) Totally. Because I want to be able to walk to that point and Mm -hmm. I can't because the dog keeps pulling me. I'll do corrections on a dog that pulls me. I I can't, you know, physically, I can't do what I used to be able to do with dogs. I mean, all of my dogs were over 100 pounds at one point, and I just, they could hurt me mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So now it's a matter of I'm going to correct them. Now, I have an adult dog that I use for most of my training. The puppies just want to do everything he does so they don't pull. If he's not with me... I will experience pulling. Really? Mm-hmm. So then I have to correct him. The leader of the pack. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, he really is. He's so helpful when it comes to the puppies. But in a situation where I'm walking and the dog wants to pull out ahead of me, it should be walking to the side with me mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Not walking me. I stop. Or I turn around the other way. And sometimes you turn around three and four times and then they're like, oh, wow, I'm more, okay. I get it. <laughs> I give. I won't do it anymore. There is other things that you can do. There's a gentle leader that you can use where you're, you're you know, but walking But they never really and, learn mm-mm. if you use that. That's what we used with, with Rosie. And she never did learn, prop, you know, and you would mm-hmm. hook up the, the leash when she was old and sick and she'd still like about choke herself to death yeah. pulling on it. Yeah, so if you teach them from the beginning that they walk with you, then that's never going to be the issue. But if they always know, like um, harnesses are real popular. Mm-hmm. And harnesses are for sled dogs. It just gives them, <laughs> you're putting something on their, the most muscular part of their body and saying, oh, don't pull. Oh, yeah, they're going to pull. Yeah. <laughs> but teaching a dog to respect the limitations, start with the turning. Mm-hmm. 
also do basic training with them. The basic training is this is heel position. This is where you're supposed to be walking. Reward them for walking the right way. Reward them if you want them to sit next mm-hmm. to you. Probably a class would be really good. Yeah. Yeah. Because that will, you get the distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to practice things in different environments. And sure. Yeah. Well, and I think developmentally, you know, when you have a new baby, you know about all those developmental milestones that your human child is going through. But puppies, there's very much a developmental period for puppies as well. Mm -hmm. Correct. Help us understand kind of some of those key developmental milestones. Well, for puppies, it goes so fast. And those uh, developmental, and you know that, because remember when you saw the puppies at, you know, between two and three weeks, then you'd see them at four weeks, and oh my gosh, it was they changed so much in a week. And it's a, it's a misconception to think that my puppy's going to go through toddler stage and baby stage like, like little mm-hmm. children do. But with stages, with, with puppies, I think that once they get into your home, you're going to go through... The basic, I'm new in the home, which is the first month. Mm-hmm. By the time they're losing their teeth and you start seeing those teeth everywhere, you should have, you should have them completely house trained. There should not be any accidents anymore if they're kept on a schedule. I got to put that in there. Yes. But you should also see things like um, this is when they learn faster. This is when they pick things up quicker. Mm. And this is around the 16 week mark it's my favorite time to train four months five months six months they're going to pick up everything that you wow. do okay good to um they they go through a stage around eight months where they it's kind of an adolescence for them mm-hmm. where they're gonna forget everything that they learned and oh. become stubborn teenage <laughs> the teenage years yeah and it, you know as long as you know yeah okay i know they know how to do this and then all of a sudden they're going to test you yeah. so mm. that's it just 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 stay completely what you were doing before. You know, don't um, don't allow them to get away with misbehavior mm-hmm. and go back to rewarding good behavior and punishing bad behavior. You know, and, and it, they fall right back in line again. Mm. Wow. And I can remember learning from you about puppy culture, which oh, yeah. is what you teach. And um, so I love that. And I think that's why we got such a good dog because of all those things we've been talking about, but developmentally, you've been teaching them since the time they were born, like handling them properly, uh-huh. right? And exposing them to noises. And that's the, the building the good neuro connections. Mm-hmm. So they've experienced this before in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, this is all right. I don't have to freak out about this. Mm-hmm. Although this litter, I got to tell you, I ran that vacuum at all those <laughs> times. I, I had to run the vacuum for quite a while before they finally got over the noise of it, the vibration mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Some litters are a little bit different than others, but that's the thing. It's it's experiencing new things that can be scary mm-hmm. in a safe environment, somewhere that they know nothing's going to happen to me. They know they can handle that type of any, anything that's scary for them. Mm-hmm. So it's a stress yeah. that they learn how to handle. It's kind of like people who, you know, the first time that they have to get on an airplane and they're like, oh, I don't know. If to, but after they've done it a couple of times, they're like, it's okay. You know, exactly. they see that it's, it's a good thing. It's, it's a good experience. Then they're all right with it. But it's the same thing with the dogs. They make those positive connections instead of it being negative because one puppy experiencing fear in a fear stage, you know, that seven to eight week mark, mm-hmm. they, you can set them up for problems the rest of their lives. You know, mm. it just, it just imprints. imprints on their brain. Well, and I love the fact that you teach the recall puppy, 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 <laughs> and all of your dogs. I mean, I see it on social media because a lot of you, your dogs, you know, this have Instagram accounts and you know, you'll yell puppy, 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 and they'll just come <laughs> barreling, you know, it's like they just get that. <laughs> and I think it's something they probably never forget. And just to be able to have that safety feature, that control over your dog, because there are times where you need to call your dog and get them in. Yeah. And, and the fact that that kind of came downloaded and my dog were just like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I still use that with all of my dogs just to get them to come inside every day. And with just like such enthusiasm, and that's something running. that I'm 
I'm um, thinking about tweaking a little bit with the next litter because I am finding that my female customers are having no problems with that high-pitched puppy, puppy, uh-huh. but the males are not. Uh-huh. And it's becoming a, a sticking point now because if a man takes the puppy home, he's not feeling very comfortable going, puppy, puppy. <laughs> so we're going to have to work on, we have to, yeah. on the, the, the little tune. The, it, it was cute. We, that the picture that I put from um, when we went over to the, we met up with the other couple from the, the brewery that was mm-hmm. from Tally Ray's litter. They were talking about how they had to come up with, they practiced that command, you know, because we've got a big man that not used to making a high pitch noise. So he had to practice <laughs> a variation of it, maybe a little bit lower to get the dog to be able to come to it. So that he was okay with it too, but they, you know, it was kind of funny listening to him how he t- had to tweak it a little bit to make sure that puppy, he could, puppy, puppy. yeah, because that's a high pitch, and I don't know, I, you know, I, of course it's after years of developing it, you get it nice and high, but <laughs> it works. I, if I had a whistle, that would be an ideal thing. It's all about pairing behavior when the puppy is small enough in a safe environment mm-hmm. and they're getting food at the same time, so it's a double reward mm. and then it's there yeah. it's there for them so I might change that just a little bit so that I have a better recall for the guys <laughs> always always tweaking the concept yeah. <laughs> so talk to us about it seems like people are either one dog owners or they like to have multiple dogs in the house mm-hmm. talk to us about how how you kind of figure out what's right for you okay and what do you think, you know, what do you think's best for, for the dogs? Or does it, de- probably depends. I think that everybody should have more than one. <laughs> 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 ah, that's a breeder saying that. Um, uh-huh. No, honestly, dogs like to be in a pack. Mm-hmm. For sure. So if you have more than one dog, it's, your dog is going gonna, is gonna to love having a sibling. Mm-hmm. But dogs can do fine without siblings too. I think it's more about the owner and what they can handle, what they can be around. It's not just the training because the training is so much easier with the second one than it is the first one. It's more the expense. Mm-hmm. You've got to think about double the food, double the shots, double, double the heartworm meds, double the flea and tick meds, mm-hmm. all the of grooming. that. Yeah, all of that um, factors in. Right. Having a second dog, for me before... I mean, I, th- I don't think I ever had less than four at once, mm-hmm. but I remember that feeling of coming home to an empty house when I would just put my dog down and not having anybody else. Yeah. I don't, I'm like, I can't. It's terrible. Yeah. I'll yeah. always want to have that. They give me comfort. Right. So always having another one around is just a very comforting feeling for me, mm-hmm. but I'm terrible person to ask this question because I love it. I love getting up in the middle of the night and have to step over 10 dogs to get to the bathroom. It's just, (laughs) it's fun for me. Well, and I loved how you opened your house, you know, during the, and this was long after the sale that, you know, it's like you wanted us to meet the puppies, to have the experience of seeing the puppies to, you know, it was just that part of, Mm -hmm. it was so fun for, for us. And not only, you know, ultimately picking our, our sister Hazel, but, you know, just to see the other puppies and to to meet all your dogs, they're just all so fantastic. And I love how, you know, you, they don't bark They're The other dogs are isolated, but if someone's barking, I mean, you can just like holler at them and get them to, quiet day. <laughs> I mean, the control you have over those animals is just quite amazing. Oh, they're, yeah, they cooperate with me. That's just, let's say it that way. They, they cooperate nicely. Yeah. And, you know, it's they like know who's in charge. Yeah. It, and it's like anything, you know, there's sometimes I'll have one that just wants to, you know, no, I am in a bar. There is some, there's a bad guy out there and I am going to bark. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is times that I have to, you know, redirect behavior. But it's always about how you handle it when it happens, mm-hmm. whether it's everybody's going to listen except one, or everybody listens right away, or this one's affecting that one. But it's just, it, it's having a backup plan. Okay, if this happens, what do I do? Or how do I handle it? And as long as you've got a backup plan, you just go to the next thing. 
Right. Okay. If they're going to bark, then I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk towards them and I'm going to clap my mm-hmm. hands. It's, <clears throat> but yeah, I, you know, I think that that's the thing that's so much fun for me is having everybody. I want, I want everybody to experience that mm-hmm. going through the first, um, how often in today's world, except on YouTube or something, do you get a, experience the little puppy stages Mm. three weeks old four weeks old five weeks old and be able to see them change I love being able to share that but I also want the puppy to know it's people before it goes home Mm there is always going to be a certain element of fear and crying because they're in a different home a different in different environment but there is a small sense of safety when they're with somebody that they've met before. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing that is the hardest part for me is because I worry so much when they go home. Mm-hmm. I can't eat. I complain. Huh. Nobody's, they haven't sent me anything. They haven't told me. You know, it's just, it's, and I complain and I fuss <laughs> and then I see them and then I'm fine. But it takes me a couple days to get past that, that initial not having it there and not making sure it's okay. Mm-hmm. Not not making sure that there's that the dog isn't being and you know, I've never had one of my doodles go home and have a bad experience. I uh-huh. haven't ever had that, but I always worry. And I think that comes from my re- my um the days that I did rescue because there would there is dogs that had went home to the wrong environment and the environment mm-hmm. was terrible and the dog comes back and it's screwed up. I'm going past an event where they've got rescue dogs and I see this dog and I think, ah, I'm just going to get it. I'm just yeah. going to get it. It needs a home. Bad news. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, there's, um, there's, there's a big difference there, but. Yeah. Well, and we've always, you know, and they, and then there's, I know there's that fine line, but our dogs are such part of our family uh-huh. and that's just, that's the way I was raised and like anything you know what you put into it you you get out of it and yes. you just you can't you can't love them too much and the love you get in return it's just it's the purest form of love I mm-hmm. mean it's just they are they're just liquid love that's all they are they don't know any different all they want to do is make you happy mm-hmm. whatever it takes what do I need to do do I need to sit here first okay I'll do that <laughs> so one more puppy question for you I've heard it's really a two-year span that your dog is a puppy is would you agree with that Mm-mm. I think that it depends upon the dog mm-hmm. um, and if you've got um, usually your larger dogs take longer to they go through the puppy stage a little bit longer mm-hmm. the energetic the it's hard for me to concentrate when there's a squirrel by kind of thing but as far as the puppy stage the smaller the dog, the faster they're going to mature as, mm-hmm. as far as becoming a, an adult, a, a calm, mm-hmm. easygoing. But two years is, I think that that might be because your larger dogs grow for so long. Now, this I'm talking about dogs that are over 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about, you know, like hazel size. Mm-hmm. Now, hazel be full grown, and I would say that when she is... Around a year old, you'll start noticing subtle things. You're, you're gonna, I mean, at this at this age, you you're noticing all kinds of changes right away. I oh. mean, like day to day, right? Totally. But um, no, two years is, yeah, not, not quite that long. And her energy, it's like there's a switch. She's either on or off, mm-hmm. and like she was on earlier, and now she's off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's sound asleep at best speed. Okay, complete the sentence for me. Dogs make life. Can I give more than one answer? Of course. I think that dogs make life enhanced because they bring so much to us. But I also think that sometimes dogs just make life bearable. You know, when you're, no matter what you're going through, you know, sometimes it's just habit, walking through. They don't care what you look like. Right. They don't care what kind of mood you're in. They're always going to be, hi, mom. You know, uh-huh. they're always going to give you that. So I would say they, they enhance us because they give us joy and they're funny and they do things that you just love to see and experience. 
And then the other side is, oh my gosh, when I'm having a bad day, what do I want? I want to be with my dogs. Okay. In closing, my friend, why do you think life is better with a dog? To me, they give me so much. It's, um, I think they just bring so much to my everyday life experience. And I, and I think it's always been, for me, it's I've always recognized that in dogs, that people that are first-time dog owners, that I had no idea. Mm-hmm. But um, there's also people that shouldn't have dogs that get dogs, and they're not going to get the same kind of fulfillment. But it's all about what is it that you're looking for when you get a dog. Are they filling a void? Are you doing it because everybody else does it? Are you doing it because you think it's good for your kids? You know, what is the real reason that you're getting a dog? And if you just want to make your life better, enhanced, the same thing it is now, just added a little bit more whipped cream on the top, mm-hmm. that's when you should get a dog. That's the time. It's, uh, it, it's cute when people, when I tell, ask people why they're thinking about it, have they had a dog before? Mm-hmm. You know, what is their dog experience? And it's, it's always interesting to hear what people say, how they react to that. Most people do. They have had a dog before and they have had dog experience. But every once in a while, now um, I like them. They're pretty. <laughs> okay, let's talk about this a little more. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, absolutely. They just, they bring so much. Well, and I just, uh, I love the way you run your business. You, um, it is a business for you, but mm-hmm. there is so much love involved with how you take care of those dogs and how you, you know, love the puppies and grieve when they're saying they're saying goodbye uh-huh. and make an effort to stay connected. So, you've really built something quite amazing, and I'm oh, just thank so thankful that our paths have crossed, and this little dog will always keep us connected. So, I thank you for sharing so much to people who may be considering a dog or who need to brush up on some of some of their skills as a dog owner. There's there's a lot to learn and I think you've really really helped enlighten us a lot. So thank oh. you so much, Ben. Well thank you. This is fun. So it's Doodle City where I live in North Metro Atlanta. The breed continues to gain popularity for so many reasons. Our first doodle Rosie was an incredible ambassador for the breed. After meeting her, so many people we know chose to welcome a doodle into their home. Warning, there are unscrupulous breeders out there, so be careful if you're considering a doodle puppy. There are a number of doodle and poodle rescue groups you can also check out should you prefer to go this route. And to connect with Hazel's breeder and my friend, Beth Bruckman, visit ChattahoocheeKennels.com. Until next time, friends. I'm Rena Olson, and this is Relevate.